0: Robert M. Price, the Bible Geek. The word geek denotes an obsessed hobbyist, and I'm happy to accept that definition. I find the Bible absorbingly fascinating. I do not regard it as an authoritative or inspired revelation from God. I used to, but ironically, it was the avid study of the Bible that led me to give up my religious devotion to it. I had to decide between my desire to understand the Bible and the religious faith that created my interest in it to begin with, so now I love the Bible as the classicist loves the Iliad and the Odyssey. In my view, there's nothing more pious than trying to understand the text for its own sake. Whether you are a believer or a skeptic, I'm inviting you to join me as we try to make sense of a sometimes puzzling book. Let me just add to that, you know why we do puzzles, right? Uh, It's a lot of fun figuring them out, and uh, that's the... uh, So I I don't look at uh, odd things in the Bible, uh, you know, mysterious phrases, difficult passages as some sort of an obstacle uh, it's great fun trying to figure them out, and that's really the premise of the old Bible geek. Well, I'd like to, uh, answer some questions, uh, that, um Paul Valenti sent in. He did me a big favor by sending a bunch of goodies. And, uh, let's commence with this one. It says, in Genesis 3, God tells the serpent that from now on he will slither, uh, the assumption is that he lost his legs. The Bible doesn't say how he got around before, so maybe it was a winged serpent. Um, yeah, Paul, that's what I've thought for a good while. Now I know some species of snakes actually have vestigial legs. That, that are pretty much embedded in the underside of the long slithery body uh but implying that uh they uh they had them but uh they weren't uh, of that much use so that they didn't give any survival value to the species and eventually some snakes were born with useless legs but they left as many offspring as any other snakes with more developed legs did and uh, eventually they uh, wound up dominating the species but as I say, in some species i don't happen to know which ones uh you you can you know, turn them over and while you're trying to avoid being fatally bitten uh you can uh see yeah right there are those teeny little uh one time legs uh so it's possible that this was an ideological myth uh trying to explain how come. These snakes have, uh, what's left of legs. Uh, why did they stop having them? Uh, and, uh, so that, that's possible, but it, it depends on whether the snakes that had visible vestigial legs lived in the biblical area, and I just don't happen to know that. Uh, but I, I can't help thinking that your guess is correct, uh, because there's, uh, Iconographic, I guess you say, uh, evidence from Egypt that, um, that, where they pictured things in hieroglyphs and so on, um, that uh, they, they pictured winged serpents as servants of the gods, and sometimes these um, serpents so they they had limbs, depending on whether they needed them. I, I mean, it's interesting, though, utterly futile to uh speculate. Did the Egyptians um, believe that uh, there were <laughs> species of seraphim? Because that's what they are, just like in the Bible. Um, not the same word, of course, not the same language. But, uh, were there some where they all had legs, all had arms, all had both, some had none, uh, or did they pop out by the command of the gods, uh, when needed? Who the heck knows? But they are sometimes represented with human limbs to do a certain job. And, uh, like one of the seraphs in Isaiah 6, um, takes tongs to take a coal from the altar fire. Right. Well, he couldn't have done that with wings. Right. He must have had uh, um, some sort of hands. Uh, so uh, it, it I would say that the um, serpent in Eden is supposed to uh, have been a seraph. Uh, and, uh, that, uh, after all, in, in Isaiah, they're talking, they're singing, right? Holy, holy, holy is Yahweh, Sabaoth, and so on. Uh, so, he could be pictured as speaking to Adam and Eve. And, um but since he is exposes the the lies of the creator hey you better keep your mitts off the fruit of the tree of uh, knowledge of good and evil because you'll drop dead if you eat it and then the serpent says that's that's not true i'll tell you what will happen your eyes will be opened. you will be like gods etc and of course that's what happens right um so uh it does seem to me that that's the idea that we we're, we're being told that oh yeah yeah all those snakes were like the seraphs the seraphim but uh, not anymore uh, sadly and uh, they asked for it or at least their primordial uh, progenitor did as if all the subsequent snakes were contained in uh, the the serpent in in the garden of eden just as um uh, the letter to the Hebrews says that all of the Aaronite priests were contained genetically in Aaron and so forth. So, yeah, I think that I think you're exactly right, though. I have to admit, this is all speculative. We don't really know. There's there's no way to uh, to know that, I'm afraid. Once we get to heaven, hallelujah, they'll have the Bible seminar that'll say, uh, here are the most asked questions, number 433 million, and on up, all right, you know, just like the Saturday Night Live um, skit from years ago when it used to be funny, uh, when I think Chris Farley is um, playing a guy who's died and he's at the pearly gates and he asks uh the the angel there said well not now that i'm dead uh you guys know everything could you uh tell me the the most surprising thing that that i would be amazed to know and the angel says well I, i you know uh I still can't do that, uh, because it would just be mind-blowing. Even though you're dead, right? That'd be too much for you. And he says, well, uh, can you tell me anything down the list? Uh, and he says, yeah, all right. Uh, here's the, uh, here's number 232, uh, of the shocking secrets. Professional wrestling is real. Well, that's, you know, that day will come when we can ask and hopefully the, uh, mode of locomotion of the uh, the serpents will will be revealed then paul also asks uh what gods from greek mythology are mentioned in the bible uh well uh yeah we do have a pretty good answer to that one uh there's um, in the book of Revelation, Hades seems to be a personified character. Death and Hades will give up their hostages, their prisoners, whatever. It's like the harrowing of hell doctrine, basically, right? Where all the pre-Christ patriarchs are uh, marking time in Sheol, and uh, Jesus leads a jailbreak, and they all get out. Um, Only they call... uh, the uh the the jailers, uh Satan and Beelzebub. This is in the Gospel of Nicodemus. Um let's see, um then uh I think that uh also in Revelation when it says that um the earth um, opened up and emitted uh a flood of waters to protect the woman clothed with the sun when she had just given birth to uh the The child who will rule all the nations with a rod of iron, you remember all that stuff um that whole thing and and then she's given a pair of wings and she flies away to safety. All of that comes from the it's just a retelling of the the uh birth of Zeus and the um uh narrow escape he had from a late-term abortion, shall we say, and because his father Kronos the Titan was in the habit of devouring his offspring because it had been prophesied that uh, he would be overthrown by one of his sons just as he overthrew his father um uh, Uranos and uh, so he didn't want that to happen, but um uh, Gaia, Uranus's, uh, wife, and Rhea, Kronos' uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Kronos's wife, uh, they said, we're not letting this happen again. And so they tricked Kronos. And as soon as baby Zeus was delivered, they, uh, whisked them out of there and instead put swaddling clothes around a big rock and, and fed that to him. Hmm, uh tastes a little stale, but uh okay uh and uh and so they they spirited baby Zeus away to Crete or somewhere and hid him uh, and uh, uh, and so on and uh so this this uh and, and uh the earth is simply Gaia in Greek, so she, I think, is mentioned as a personified deity. Now over in, in the book of Acts, I think it's chapter 14, uh, the, uh, like, hey, um, like um, boy, I forget the heck. Anyway, these people, uh, uh, these, these, uh, unwashed heathen hillbillies that, uh, Paul and Barnabas are preaching to, uh, they seem to get a good reception, but then they realize, uh-oh, they, uh, they aren't getting it because they thought that, uh, Barnabas must be Jupiter or Zeus and that Paul, the chief speaker, must be Hermes or Mercury. The gods have come among us. Well, of course, they are, and once they realize this, uh, Paul and Barnabas hasten to say, no, 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 we're, we're, we're not, uh, gods. And so they they are at least mentioned in the thing uh in the Bible text um let's see also in Acts in Ephesus, there's rioting over uh the the fear that uh if enough people convert to Christianity, people will begin to neglect the worship of Artemis, also known as Diana, so she's mentioned there. Uh who am I missing? Um, that's all I can think of offhand now. I don't think the New Testament writers thought that these gods were necessarily real, uh, but then that gets us to um to another question that paul asked uh this is really uh a fascinating one in judges eleven twenty four there's a war brooding, uh, brewing of between Israel and, uh, geez, who is it, the Ammonites, anyway. Uh, and, uh, Jeff, uh, has been put in charge of the war effort, but he'd like to avoid a war. Uh, and so he sends a sort of a peace uh, appeal to, to his, to the, uh, king of the bad guys, and, and they're having a territorial dispute. And, um, uh, let's, uh, the, the, uh, kryptonites or whoever they were, uh, are, are saying, Hey, you have some territory that, that, uh, that ought to be ours and, uh, we're going to fight you for it. Well, Jephthah says, wilt not thou possess that which Kamash, chemosh, C-H-E-M-O-S-H, thy God giveth thee to possess? Um, so, whomsoever Yahweh our God shall drive out from before us, them will we possess. In other words, look, look, your God gave you your uh, little acre, and our God has given us some by uh, divinely ordained conquest, so why don't we just leave it at that? And of course, they don't, and they, they have the war and the were beaten now. Paul says, "Does this imply that the Hebrews believed Hamash to be real?" Well, it wouldn't have to, right? You could just, Jeff, that could have been saying, "Now you believe your God gave you your territory." All right, we believe our God gave us this territory, <laughs> including a piece of what used to be yours. Well. Uh, they, you could just be speaking respectfully. Like privately you might say, oh there's no homage, these guys are a bunch of superstitious buffoons. Or you might say, well they think he's a god but he's really a demon. Who knows? Right? I mean, later in the Bible, we hear both explanations for who the other gods are. But he doesn't want to say that, right? I mean, uh, there's no use in insulting the, the deity of your, of the people you're trying to uh, make peace with, right? So it could simply be a term uh, of respect, uh, assuming that your god does exist and gave you the, the deed to your land. Oh, it's all right. Okay. We're not even challenging that but we do know that Yahweh our God gave us this land uh, so we're keeping it so that's it's hard to say and yet I think you're right and that it does mean or at least uh, other evidence indicates that they did think kamash was real and and you yourself pointed out in second Kings 3 26 through 27 um, it says, when the, yeah, the Moabites, that was it, I guess, or, well, anyway, when the king of Moab realized he was losing the battle, he and 700 swordsmen tried to break through and attack the king of Edom, but they failed, so he took his firstborn son, who was to succeed him as king, and offered him up as a burnt sacrifice on the wall, you know, the city wall was wide, you could Drive chariots along the There was an outburst of divine anger against Israel, so they broke off the attack and returned to their homeland. Huh? Uh and and Paul comments, This this would seem to say Hamash Israel and gave the Moabites victory over Israel in exchange for the Moabite king sacrificing his son. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any way around that, uh, Paul. I think you're quite right uh, that they and and that's not hard to, to uh, defend biblically either, because in Deuteronomy 32, as I've had frequent occasion to mention, it says uh, that when God uh, divided the human race, He wanted to make sure there were enough nations. Uh, so that all of his sons, the sons of God, mentioned elsewhere in the Bible, each one of them would have their own little chunk of territory to, to run. Uh, each would have his own fiefdom, and those people uh, in it uh, would... Uh, would worship that God. Now that's not monotheism, right? That's monolatry, meaning you are worshiping only a particular God, though there are other gods. Uh, you'd have no business if you were a Moabite worshiping Yahweh. Uh, no, uh, you wouldn't expect an Egyptian to be worshiping Jehovah. No, no, uh, they're quite rightly worshiping the uh, the gods. To whom their people were assigned, and uh, now that's that's going to change later, right? And but but at a certain point in Israelite theology, uh, religious belief, whatever you want to call it, uh, they did believe, yeah, that there were lieutenant deities. Is it Psalm eighty two where um, where let me just grab the old Bible uh, where God rebukes. These uh, these these subordinate godlings. I think it is. If only I these thin little pages. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. God or El, Elohim has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. He says, How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. Like, let me pause. That's what you would expect gods to do, right? You know, if your god's not going to stick up for you, who, who will? Surely they will guarantee justice and fairness and, and uphold the right of the downtrodden, right? But maybe they ain't a doing it. In verse 5, uh, the psalmist says about these gods addressed in the first few verses, They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. Huh? What does that mean? Well, actually, it might go better after the next couple of verses, which say, have God say... I say you are gods, sons of Elian, all of you, nevertheless, you shall die like men and fall like any prince, any mortal prince, right? Uh, and then the psalmist says, arise, O God, judge the earth, for to thee belong all the nations. Well, that's kind of obvious, isn't it? Well, not, not necessarily, Because this supposes that each nation has its own God, but they're not uh, up to the job. They become corrupt. And uh, and so the psalmist says, if they could be booted out and God could assume hands-on control of the whole thing, well, then everybody would get justice. And I can't wait for the day when he does. God, please, now. Like, Hosanna, save now. Uh, well, now what did I skip? Well, I said it, but so me get back to it. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. Where are they? Well, now they've been booted out, and they are—they shall die like any mortal prince. As you see in Isaiah 14, the king of Babylon shows up uh, in the, the netherworld and the other gods, I mean, I'm sorry, the dead kings, uh, say, wow, you have become just as weak as we are. You've come to nothing just like us. Well, yeah, that's what's envisioned here. And uh, they walk about in darkness, in, in a state of confusion, because elsewhere the Bible says that's what happens to the souls of the, the, those who die. Uh, they're, they're in Sheol, they're no longer mindful of God, nor does God give a thought to them. This is not what anybody thinks today about an afterlife, right? But that's why you have to, you know, take the trouble to put two and two together here. Now, what about all the foundations of the earth being shaken? Well, because the gods are gigantic as they stumble around under the earth. Uh, they're uh causing the earth to shake, so what you have here implicitly is an ideological story explaining why there are earthquakes right so actually, this particular psalm number eighty two is packed with mythological goodies and and it certainly does seem now what we 've got here is like a transitional point, yeah, yeah, they were gods, but that's that is not up to the job so we want God to take over hands-on, and maybe he has. Uh, so, uh, there is this shift toward monotheism, and you can see it in the works here. Okay, another one. Uh, are there two sets, two different sets of, uh, of ten commandments? Well, my friends, indeed there are. There's the famous Exodus 20 one, and uh, that's what people usually think of. And it's almost exactly the same as the retelling in Deuteronomy. It's hardly different. Uh, Presentation is slightly different, but the commandments are the same pretty much. Now, here they are in their familiar version from Exodus 20. Uh, Let's see... I am Yahweh your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before, or you can translate, beside me. Well, there's monolatry, right? Doesn't say there aren't any other gods. You're gonna have to wait till the second Isaiah to hear. Him say, you know, there is no god beside me. That that's not said here. You're just not supposed to worship Photh or Dagon or whatever. Uh, you shall not make for yourself a graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I. Yahweh, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. No doubt that's been heavily uh, padded with explanations and so on, but the basic thing is don't make idols. Images of, of the gods, or of any living being, because, of, you know, the gods were often pictured in animal forms, so, if you make the one, you're, you're sort of tempting people, to, you're opening the door to, to doing the other. Uh, I mean, Zeus is, um avatar, you might say, is an eagle. Well, don't make a statue of, uh, of an eagle, because somebody's gonna think it's Zeus and worship it. So don't make idols of God or anybody else. Don't don't serve them. That's really one commandment, right? I mean, you're going to make an idol, a divine image in order to bow down before it, right? So that's all one package. Uh verse 7, um you shall not take the name of Yahweh your God in vain, for Yahweh will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Uh, it's don't think you can say this glibly uh, and and that is really the origin of the um, modern and longstanding practice among pious jews not to use what they call the tetragrammaton that is the four letter name uh, which uh, the the consonants are in english would be y h w h uh, with uh, negotiable vowel points, and we think it was probably pronounced Yahweh, but we don't know because people stopped pronouncing it because it was too sacred. Uh, you um, even when you, you it wouldn't be in vain, right? In Scripture, if you're publicly reading it, and you come to a passage, <laughs> there are plenty of them that mentions Yahweh, and don't say it. Say Adonai instead, an alternate divine name, one, for some reason, not quite so holy, just means the Lord or my Lord. And uh, even in English translations, as I'm sure you know, uh, you have Lord in all caps or sometimes God in all capitals. And that means what it says is the Tetragrammaton, Yahweh or Jehovah, an alternate transliteration of it and it, it says don't use it in an empty fashion uh, don't uh don't be glib about it that's why the guy gets in trouble in the life of brian but all I said was, this halibut is good enough for Jehovah. Like, that's, uh, you don't really need to say that, right? You're being too free with the use of the divine name. I mean, there's nothing exactly wrong with what you're saying, but it's frivolous. Uh, we don't want the name of God bandied about in such a way. And, uh, and why is it virtually never used by pious Jews? Well, because it doesn't exactly specify what, uh, the, uh, what a vain use or a non-vain use of it would be, but I think there are sufficient hints. It, it looks like they were trying to, um, tell you not to invoke the, the name of God, uh, in a promise, like, um, a contract. Uh, You you could, right? Uh, But then you'd better, darn well, better keep it. You could say, as Yahweh lives, I will get your swimming pool finished by August 30th. Well, then you you damn well better do it because God uh, observes these things. And uh, if you welch, he'll see to it. You'll wish you hadn't. Uh, Or uh, if you're in court bearing testimony, uh, and you you would get sworn in, they would say, "Give Yahweh or give God uh, I guess the glory that is tell me the truth now, and then you would reply, "As Yahweh lives, I did not steal uh Hezekiah's lawnmower right? um that's uh, because there's nothing truer than that Yahweh lives." So you're saying, what I'm saying is as true as that. Well, you, they better not find uh, Hezekiah's mower in your garage then. Or uh, you're in a heap of trouble. So it seems to have meant breach of contract uh, and or perjury. Don't swear by the name of Yahweh and Welsh or lie. By the way, I'm of Welsh descent, so I can use that term uh, uh, with a... Getting sued. Um, see here, uh, and and it was possible they were trying to disqualify the use of the name of Yahweh in magic, because eventually we know some people did that, uh, and they would also use Adonai and Elohim and so forth. No, no, uh, but but that underlines the point again. They weren't really sure, and so they said, uh, "Look, let, let's play it safe. How about this? Nobody says the name." Uh, except for the high priest once a year in the holy of holies yeah yeah that oughta keep us all safe so anyway um i always love explaining that one okay the next one in verse 8 Remember the Sabbath day of the seventh day, literally, the same word, uh, to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to Yahweh your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your manservant or your maidservant. or your cook, or your seamstress, or the guy that shines your shoes, uh, or the sojourner who was within your gates. For in six days, Yahweh made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore, Yahweh blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Again, that's been heavily padded out, but originally it was just, don't do work on the Sabbath. Well, oh, you know what that led to, right? Uh The, the later rabbis said, well, now, wait a minute, we're talking about the commandment of God here, we uh, better get this right. Now, what counts as work? And so they had uh, huge categories of uh, types of action that would be construed as work. Uh, Like, uh, to take extreme examples, you can't tear toilet paper uh, on uh, on the Sabbath, you better have a sufficient supply of pieces of it separated the day before, uh, and uh, well, so on and so forth. Okay, um, and they're they're debating on that in the Gospels, right? Is it okay to heal on the Sabbath? Well, no, if you're a paid physician. But if you're a faith healer and you don't receive compensation, yeah, maybe so. What, even that was controversial. All right, uh, The next one, verse 12, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land which Yahweh your God gives you. Um, so honor your parents, take care of them, obey them, provide for them, uh, and uh, it'll come back to you if you do because you might live long because uh, you will be treated as you treated your parents. They're not going to let you starve to death and so on. Usually, I I think, that is taken to mean God's going to get you if you don't. But I I think maybe it's just saying, treat others as you would have them treat you. Uh, Take care of your parents. to Keep them uh, alive and well, and, and others will know you did it and treat you the same way. Anyhow, Um, okay Uh, verse 13 you shall not kill a big uh, bunch of research on this Uh, what does the word the Hebrew for kill mean here most of the time it's used to um, imply uh, murder uh, not defensive war killing and so forth but it's not absolutely sure uh Verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. Well, that one's short and sweet. It's pretty obvious. Um, 15, you shall not steal. 16, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Uh, verse 17 you shall not covet your neighbor's house you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or his maidservant or his ox or his ass or anything that is your neighbor's no doubt that one originally just said you shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor because that'll lead to stealing and all that but somebody would say well how how about this so they're trying to cover all the specifics and, uh, so that's the famous Exodus 21, but there is another in, uh, chapter 34. Let's, uh, now this really has, uh, the commandments, uh, sort of concealed inadvertently within, uh, a, an overgrowth of, uh, explanation and elaboration, but let's, uh, Let's uh, take a look at chapter 34 and just highlight the, the commandments. Yahweh said to Moses, cut two tables of stone like the first, and I will write upon the tables the words that were on the first tables which you broke. Now, this is a kind of a lame, desperate harmonization. Like the and these are the ones that are actually called in the Bible the Ten Commandments. Well, they had two different uh, sets. Uh and it was like Dave Letterman's uh old uh top ten lists. Uh what, you know, even in Jesus' day they're debating uh what's the most important commandment? Uh, and uh the same thing here. Well what what would you say, how would you rank them? And there were different lists and these were so different they figured they better the editors, the compilers decided they better put both of them in, but doesn't that make twenty commandments? Well, they they came upon the uh, the the gimmick that they kind of hoped you wouldn't notice of saying that uh, God gave them uh, chiseled them into the the stone tablets, and those are the ones you read in chapter twenty. But uh, when Moses came back down from the mountain, he saw everybody having an idolatrous orgy, and he said, "You're not worthy of these commandments, you pigs," and he smashed them. Well, that was a little hot-headed of him, and so God said, okay, okay, uh, bring him back. Let's make another copy. But in fact, it's <laughs> it's not the same list. I right? was just hoping you wouldn't notice that. There are three of them in common, as you'll see. Uh, okay. Um, oh, this is good stuff. Yahweh descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of Yahweh. Yahweh passed before him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means... um, Clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the children's children of the third and the fourth generations. Now, why they say that? Doesn't that make God into kind of a vengeful uh, bad guy? I think this was their way of talking about how things one generation does. Uh, the, the bad repercussions are not going to stop with them. Right, they're setting in motion things that uh, the the next generations are going to inherit and have to deal with, even though they didn't cause them. Look at racial problems in uh, the United States, for instance. Uh, so I, I think that's really what they're trying to explain here. Okay, anyway. Oh, God says, "Behold, I make a covenant," and such. Uh, verse eleven: Observe what I command you this day so on okay Uh, let's see here okay verse 17 here's the first commandment you shall make for yourself no molten gods Uh, second commandment verse 18 the feast of unleavened bread you shall keep Uh, seven days you shall eat unleavened bread as I commanded you and so on and so on Um, uh third commandment in verse nineteen: all that opens the womb is mine. All your male cattle, the firstlings of cows and sheep, um, uh, and all the firstborn of your sons you shall redeem. Uh so sacrifice of the third firstborn is the third uh commandment, the fourth. Six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. And then more uh, elaboration. And uh, 22, you shall observe the feast of weeks, uh, the first fruits of wheat harvest, and the feast of gathering at the year's end. Uh, then you sh- verse 25, you shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leaven, next one in the same verse neither shall the sacrifice of the feast of the Passover be left until the morning Uh, next one is verse 26 the first of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring to the house of Yahweh your God and finally uh, that uh, most difficult of all commandments to keep you shall not boil a goat in its mother's milk now, why the heck is that commanded? Well, actually, they assumed you would know some background that we don't have anymore, at least we didn't until uh, just a few decades ago when a, the discovery of Canaanite texts revealed that for some reason, boiling a baby goat in its mother's milk was some kind of a magic ritual. And uh, they don't want you doing it. Uh, so, uh, you, that's, uh, these are called the Ten Commandments. Uh, and uh, so there are two lists, and again, they've contrived to, oh, what are they going to do? I uh, say it's like in uh, Mel Brooks's, uh, Holy Moses, I think it is, or is it the, no, I guess it's History of the World Part 1, where Moses brings down three tablets of stone. And he says, my people, here are the 15, oops, smash, <laughs> the uh, 10 commandments. Well, that's not far from what the Bible actually says. Uh, but they couldn't have 20 commandments. I don't know why. Well, I think I do know why. They probably picked the top 10 so you could remember them by counting them down on your fingers. Uh, and uh, but who knows? And, uh, so the, there are two lists of ten commandments. One of them's a little harder to recognize, but, uh, that's, it's no coincidence that there are ten. And, uh, yeah, one more. Uh, are sports mentioned in the Bible? Uh, yeah, and the, but the only ones I think David and Jonathan do target practice once. You want to consider that arch- archery? Uh, who knows? But in one of the pastoral epistles, uh, Paul is depicted as using metaphors from sports. He says that uh, uh, that I uh, do not box in vain. Uh, I, I don't shadow box uh, without a real opponent and and actually he's boxing so to speak against himself because he says I buffet my body daily Uh so he, he uses boxing as a metaphor and racing right he says it's not all the contenders in a race who win the laurel wreath you know it's just the guy that uh, runs the fastest the fastest of course they hadn't invented baseball like there were uh, chess like games that the Egyptians had and of oh, uh, some other ones, uh, but uh, I believe these are the only ones. I welcome correction if anybody can uh, think of some that I've missed. Of course, uh, no no baseball and no football, right? Because can't really throw around that pigskin. Um, but um, well, that's about all I can think of. Well. Um, Paul, thanks a heap. Uh, these are fascinating and loads of fun questions. Next time, I am going to start an uh, a, a ongoing class, really, on the Gospel of Luke. And it's going to take a bunch of weeks, but I think you will find it loads of fun. And um, uh, so please tune in. Don't know exactly when that'll be, but of course it'll be pretty soon. Thanks for joining us here on... Um, uh, this exciting episode of the Bible Geek. And I will bid you, uh, farewell until then. Now where's the music for, uh, Dale and, uh, or Dale Evans and Roy Rogers to start singing Happy Trails to you? Well, I, I don't know. Or is that song used by LSD people? I don't know. Okay, see you then. Oh, man.